What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 18 of the Amazon Hustle Podcast, where we teach you how to take your Amazon side hustle and make it your main hustle. That's the one that we're doing. We're sticking with that one. It rolled off the tongue good like it did last week. We're going to stick with that one. Leave a comment down below and let me know what you think of that one. That's the one I'm rocking with for now. Um, Yeah, episode 18. That means I've been doing it. If I do it weekly, that's four podcasts a week. That's four and a half months of doing this podcast. So I'm officially into it. And we're going to take this to 100 and then see what happens when we get to 100. I checked and we, last week, after the release of last week's podcast with Brandon, who is the um, full-time college student and six-figure bookseller, we hit over 500 plays. So I'm really happy about that. That means that 500 people have at least, well, 563 people have listened or watched the podcast, which is really, really good. I really enjoy that. And that gives me motivation to just keep going and, get, and make the quality better and better. I'm going to get a whole new setup with the podcast to make the audio better and to make the video better. It just sucks that I can't do it in, in person, but I mean, we just got to rock with the whole Zoom thing, but I'm going to... I'm going to make everything as good as I can just to give you guys the best content that I possibly can. And we're going to start doing some more, not just interviews, but we're going to start diving into um, topics surrounding Amazon, around the new Amazon seller and the seasoned Amazon seller, things that we deal with, how to manage time, how to do all type of stuff. It's going to get a lot deeper. So, um, yeah. Once again, if you are listening to it now, please do me a favor and give this episode a five-star rating. It helps out a lot, and I would really appreciate it if you could just take two seconds and give this episode a five-star rating. That's all you have to do, just a quick five-star rating. That would mean a lot to me. Um, Episode 18, we have Josiah, aka Bacon Bagel. He is a six-figure Amazon seller. He has some other hustles that he talks about in this interview. He is a United States Army veteran, just like me, so we bonded over that. Um, This was a good episode. The best episodes are the ones to where there are some episodes where they're not my best, and I'll take blame for it because I'm the host of the podcast, but there's like... And I think it's because I'm getting better as an interviewer also, but there's a connection that goes with the host and the um, with the host and the guest. And sometimes that connection is not there. So it can kind of be like pulling teeth to get people to actually talk. But every once in a while, mo- well, not every once in a while, most of the time I do have that connection with the guest where I can kind of pull things out of them and it kind of just flows. And this is a, a perfect ex- example of that type of interview to me the best interviews are the ones that aren't even interviews they're just more like conversations and that's exactly how this was with Josiah we talk about everything from him being in the army to how his whole journey of Amazon FBA to hiring employees to um, his other side hustles to his YouTube to his family life all type of things are covered in this episode as you are starting to become accustomed to you know we don't just talk about just amazon we talk about everything that surrounds amazon which includes because we're all real people so we all have families and lives inside and other things that we have to do so we include all that in this episode i'm gonna stop talking now we can get right into episode 18 with josiah aka bacon bagel all right josiah can you please tell the people who you are and exactly what it is that you do hey how's it going thanks for having me on lewis uh i'm josiah nagel i and on Instagram, bacon bagel underscore AK. I'm a full-time Amazon reseller uh, right now doing primarily online arbitrage. And I've got a few other entrepreneurial uh, businesses going on. And uh, that, that keeps me busy. Um, in, in my past, I, I did a few years in the military and then transitioned okay. out. And I've been a full-time entrepreneur since. Okay. Um, before we jump into the whole Amazon, and I know you do, like you said, that you do a couple of extra um, other things other things that I want to touch on. I want, I want to know, like, where did that entrepreneurial spirit come from? Did you always have it where you like the kid in school selling candy or did you have it once or like, did you build it once you got out of the miller, um, the military? Yeah. Uh, I I've been asked that before and, and looking back, I don't really see a time in my life where I was the kid selling candy, uh, consistently. There, there was a time or two where I did that, um, kind of random events, and uh, the, the biggest thing I can think of is uh, as a kid, my parents did a little bit of eBay here and there, and they uh, introduced me to the eBay platform. And I flipped a couple things like a, a Super Nintendo. You know, I, I bought okay. it at a garage sale. I played with it for a while. And then when I was done, I sold it for 150 bucks or something like that. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. So I did have a, a, a bit of an introduction to reselling as entrepreneurship. Um, mm-hmm but never 
as a younger uh, person did, did I think this is something I want to do with my life. So what branch of the um, service were you in? I was in the army for uh, about four years. Oh, okay. I was in the army for about four and a half years. Oh, right on. Very yeah, cool. Yeah, I got out, but I got a, a long time ago. I got out in 2013. Okay. Well, thanks for serving, man. The same to you. Thank you. Um, so before you got, before you joined the army, were you doing any type of like steady reselling in? No, I, I did a little bit uh, on and off here and there on um, eBay primarily. And then in college, I did a little bit just to make a few extra bucks. Right. Um, and one thing that I figured out in college, I was trying to get the most for my textbooks. And um, I, I don't know. I don't know if you went to college, but I've talked with other people that the, the, yeah. the textbook store, they're always trying to rip you off. You pay a hundred bucks at the beginning of the semester. And then they're like, ah, we'll give you two fifty. <laughs> Uh, trade in value. And so uh, I was looking for ways to kind of get closer to that hundred bucks back. And I stumbled mm -hmm. upon first the Amazon trade in program. It, I think it's been a while since I've done this, but they used to. I don't do even it. know what that is. Yeah, it used to be able to for certain textbooks primarily. And I, I want to say they did it for video games too. Okay. You could, you could trade it into Amazon and they would give you uh, a gift card credit for it. Hmm. Um, and I think it really was a third party guy that had some, uh, deal with Amazon and they were making bank off of that. So I did that a few times and that was really cool. Cause I could trade my textbook in for a bunch of gift cards and then use those gift cards for next semester's books. Right. Nice. At some point I found a few books that they didn't have the trade in option, but the little sell on Amazon block was there. And I just went down a rabbit trail and uh, not knowing what I was doing, opened an Amazon account and sold a couple textbooks. This was back in maybe 2014. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I didn't really think anything of it. Sold a couple books and went on my way. Didn't do anything with Amazon until uh, 2019, I think I started looking into reselling a little bit more as kind of a side hustle to make a couple grand a month and found all sorts of different used book content on YouTube. Reezy resells. Book Romer, Raken. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. those guys. And that really intrigued me. And so I started, uh, looking into the used book stuff pretty, pretty heavy. Um, I guess about three years ago now. So in 2019, what made you want to start looking for an extra income or like a side hustle income? Did something happen or? No. So I was, I was preparing to get out of the military. Mm -hmm. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I have a engineering background, a, uh, in the technical fields, like computer networking kind of stuff. And so that would, that would be the natural transition into project management or it, something like that. But I just didn't really interest me a ton. So I was having trouble deciding what's, what's next for me and started looking into owning different businesses or, or doing something like that. Kind of, I guess the big thing I realized is some of the stuff I don't like about the military is going to be the same in corporate in America. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, well, I might be more happy in a traditional nine to five but I don't think it's going to meet the marks that I'm really looking for. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so with that, I started looking into different business opportunities, went through a whole ton, some, some Can interesting. Can I ask what some of those were? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at, at one point I was really looking into uh, moon, uh, not moon bounce, like jump house rentals. Okay. Okay. Um, kind of decided that that wasn't like something the kids, I like, um, like the kids bounce house. Yeah, yeah, like the okay. castles or like okay. the bigger ones with slides and stuff. Mm -hmm. And there was actually a guy locally that was selling his business. And so I, I chatted with him a bit um, and, and really seriously considered that one. Kind of decided. Have, do you have to have insurance for that? Is there like a special insurance? Yeah, yeah, you should. You know, okay. like you should have insurance for Amazon, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. I can't remember if that guy I talked to had insurance. I don't think he did. I think he just had people sign some uh, contracts. Oh yeah. Like, a, um, I'm not responsible if your kid breaks their neck type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say the way he was doing it was maybe a little risky. Right. Um, 
I, I kind of decided that that one wasn't for me because mm-hmm. your primary client is looking for a rental on the weekend. And I didn't really want to be working every weekend or be making sure my workers were working every weekend. Mm-hmm. That, that just wasn't the lifestyle I was looking for. Some other stuff. One of the big ones that we had really decided on and we're going towards was the Airbnb industry. Um, really in my area, there's a lot of tourism. And so we were looking into the tourism industry and we still today have a, uh, a another business where we do itinerary planning for people coming to visit Alaska, help them figure out what they want to do in Alaska, what's realistic. Oh, wow. It's a huge state. And, and so we wanted to do that full time with Airbnb short term uh, rentals. Uh, and, and we were making some steady movements towards picking up some units. And then the uh, the pandemic hit and every oh. and travel got shut down big right. time. So that was uh, early 2020 for us. And th- thankfully, at the time, our plan exiting the military was have the Airbnb stuff, the itinerary stuff, and then a little bit of Amazon used books just to supplement that. Well, all that travel stuff got thrown out the window. So you wasn't really Amazon. Yeah, yeah. So I looked into Amazon again, see how big this could get scaled to. Mm-hmm. And I, I really didn't think it was something that you could do full time like that. It just didn't seem possible to me. Right. And that's why I had it as yeah, one or two grand profit a month. That'd be a pretty cool spot to be. Okay. And, I want to, I, I want to ask you this question now because yeah. you just talked about it, but then I want to go back to the books when you first started, but at what point did you realize that it could be like a real thing? Like it could be like a legitimate business. That's a great question. I middle of 2020, when things that that end to my military paycheck got closer and closer, mm-hmm. and and it got a little bit more real that okay, this this source of income is ending. What are we gonna do next? And right. that's when I started honestly consuming lots and lots of content um, on YouTube. Really seeing mm-hmm. other guys that were doing it full time doing some bigger numbers than I needed to do to provide for my family really motivated me and showed that, Hey, this is possible. Okay. So yeah, sorry. go ahead. You can go. Okay. I was going to say, um, in 2019, you were, you were still in the army. Yes. Okay. So you decided to go with books first. So did you go to thrift stores or like, how did you get your inventory? Yeah. So Going way back to the beginning of 2019, I I was doing a little bit of eBay flipping on and off. Okay. Uh, started that at the beginning of the year as something I kind of committed to just do honestly a little bit for fun and just to supplement our income. And then towards the end of the year, it was like, okay, maybe this is something that could be part of, part of our income as we transition out of the military. And so uh, I I remember talking with um, Caleb Roth a few months ago. He, he said, I opened my, my scout IQ account uh, like fall of 2019 is what he said. He, he had the exact date. He's watching all of us. He has all um, the data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I started scanning at thrift stores. That was the main source I went to. Right. Um, and there's, I think, five or six thrift stores in my area that had a consistent turnover of books. Mm -hmm. So not, not a ton of options, but I would, I would hit those as often as I could. And that was, that was kind of tough balancing a full-time job there. I wanted Uh, to ask you that. Yeah. And and committing because, you know, I I know a family. Yeah. And and having a family. Um, I know um, you, you've done a lot of books as well. And I think you're still currently doing books, right? Now, um, uh, I just decided, like, honestly, I just decided like 10 minutes before we got on the um, call, I was like, all right, I'm done doing books 100%. Cause it was, I was doing like hundred percent books at first. Then it was like 50% and then 50% retail arbitrage. And now it's like literally like 20% books. And I'm like, all right, I'm just done. I'm, I'm like over it. Like I'm in the point now to where I already started, started doing online arbitrage for like three months now. So I kind of have the hang of it. So I'm like, I'll rather invest my time and, and my money into that than doing these books. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I kind of got to the same place, man. Um, it's time consuming. It is doing doing a cherry picking model yes. for for used books, but I I don't regret doing it at all. No, it really helped me understand the Amazon platform, 
in a super low risk way. You know, yeah. you're picking up books that are a dollar, two dollars. Uh, so some of the goodwills like. 1250 because they're like oh this this book sells for on ebay i uh, still oh sorry yeah i was go gonna ahead. say i still recommend for anybody that comes to me and like wants to learn how to start doing amazon and like they're brand new no matter how much money they have i still recommend that they do books even if it's for like a couple of months because it's such a low risk like you say it's like such a low risk inventory and you can really like you can't go wrong with books like you can spend like a hundred dollars and get your first shipment off and even if you don't sell one book like literally what like what were you going to do with that hundred dollars before go out to dinner or like go to like the, the movies or something so it's like such a low risk to like start your business and learn how the platform goes and learn about shipping and listing and repricing and dealing with customers like i just think starting books is a good it's like the best way to go into going into amazon i i agree with you there yeah it's it was a great way for me to learn the platform see the possibility, understand sales rank categories and get a, get a taste for that without spending a thousand bucks on a wholesale order or 500 bucks on a OA thing or buying a bunch of dud clearance from Walmart. (laughs) Um, so, so yeah, I, I did, I did the cherry picking books pretty seriously, uh, trying to fill my free time with that for about six months. Can I ask you uh, how many books were you getting like weekly? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I I think there was a there was a point there in early 2020 where I was taking it really seriously, <clears throat> committing a lot of time, and I, I was getting. I knew my goal was about 200 books a week, and okay, I, yeah. I yeah that was that was hard to reach. Yeah, um, I know. I started out like around like 150, just doing like thrift stores. Like the most I got to was like 150. Yeah, yeah. I I think I was in a similar area, like low to mid 100s. Um, and so then I got to the point where I realized I'm having troubles um, finding the time to do all this. this. Is really time consuming. That so is I, something. Sorry to cut you off, but that is one of my favorite topics to talk about. That when you start doing used books. I believe in it's it's called the time and money concept. When you first start, you have a lot of time, but you don't have enough money. But over time, once you start doing it really, really good, it gets to the point to where you have more money than you have time. And you literally can't spend all your money because you can't spend all day in the thrift shop. So you so that's at the point where you realize you have to be able to move to something else to where you can actually get more inventory. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I started... Uh looking for other ways to kind of expand the Amazon thing. And, and I started looking into bulk pickup, bulk pickups, you know, <laughs> posting ads on like Craigslist or Facebook. And man, I don't know if any of those are worth it. So much work. Y- you ever done those? Um, okay. I, I did one where I talked to a thrift shop that was like 150 miles away. And they Whoa. were going to sell me like 1200 books for like $200 or something. And I rented a truck and I spent $250 to rent the truck. I drove an hour and a half to the thrift store by myself. It was just me. Got the 1200 books, came back home, unloaded the books, scanned all the books in two days. And from 1200, it was only like 200 I can sell on Amazon. And then the rest of them, it was like five. It was like 500. I can list on um fbm but i will be but i will be making like a dollar profit so it was like all that work for 200 books which i can go to the thrift shop and just get those and then cherry pick those books and then know that it was worth it so that was the first and the last last time that i ever did that i was like nah i'm not doing that no yeah yeah man i i had a somewhat similar experience i only did free pickups for people that were like moving or mm-hmm. cleaning out of states and yeah loading up my my suv to the point where i thought the bumper might be dragging books <laughs> books are heavy they're heavy yeah yeah really and heavy. and for the most part it was duds you know there'd be some good ones here and there but it's so much work just manual labor picking them up driving there picking them up loading them in the truck loading them into my garage then my garage was full of books for a while yeah and then hours scanning through them all. And then I had this pile of just 
garbage for the most part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I there were a couple pickups where I got tons of water damage stuff. Yeah. Or just books that were the the bindings were falling apart. And so I uh I had to get a little creative with how to dispose of those because my trash can was always full. My recycle <laughs> bin was always full. Right. But yeah, that was not the way to go for me, at least. I know some people do really, really good with the, the bulk model. Um, they've got good sources, I guess, is their secret. You know, I've talked to a lot of booksellers, and I don't mean to be rude to like booksellers, but I've really never seen a happy bookseller. It's, it's just like a miserable... <laughs> It's just like a miserable life. I mean, like, I only know one bookseller that's actually happy, and that's because he doesn't do any type of work. He just runs it. He has two warehouses, and he just runs it. But the ones that are, like, actually in the warehouse doing it, like, they go to their warehouse at 6 o'clock in the morning, and they spend all day there shipping out books and cleaning books. And it's just not – that's not what I thought about. Like, just like when you said, when I thought about leaving the Army and, like, doing my own thing, I didn't think about spending 12 hours – shipping out books that just wasn't what what i thought about <laughs> i'm gonna I'm have to think about that see see if i can think of any happy booksellers i know i'm telling uh, you every bookseller is moving to online arbitrage yeah. or they're just stuck and like they're not happy <laughs> um okay okay so you so at what point so you decided that you didn't want to do books anymore because you just didn't have enough time to get to be able to scale, to like make it to where you want it to be at. So what was the next option? Yeah. So for, I continued to do books through, um, I want to say some point in 2021, but what I, what I did is I, I scaled back how much time I was sourcing books in the thrift stores and I hired two people locally to do Mm -hmm. sourcing for me. Okay. And, uh, that, that worked okay. Um, I, I would say monetarily, it was worth it. They found some good stuff. It Did was you just have hard. an increase in the amount of books that you found with like three, no. with like two people scanning, scanning, scanning? No, because at that point, I I decided I'm going to let these two people do the, do the book sourcing and mm-hmm. I'm going to go spend my time looking for something else. And so I started hitting retail arbitrage really heavy. Nice. Okay. Personally, yeah. And so I had uh, one person directly in my area hitting up all the thrift stores I used to do. And then one that was about uh, an hour away in a, in a different city hitting those thrift stores. And, and I, I really had a hard time motivating them to get to <laughs> the amount of books that I had been getting previously. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I did it on a commission basis. I was like going to ask you that. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember. I think it was a dollar per book. Plus mm-hmm. I had, um, reimburse whatever they paid for that book. Right. And then I, I, I tried a, like a bonus structure. Like if you get 50 books in a week, I'll give you an extra 20 bucks or something like that. And, and kept, kept that tier going up, but it never, I never could motivate them. The, the one girl, like always, she was so busy. She just, Oh yeah, I'm going to the thrift store tomorrow. And then she wouldn't go. And I, I couldn't figure her out because mm-hmm. At one point, she goes, I'm so thankful for this job because my other one laid me off because restaurants are closed because of the right. pandemic. I was like, great. She's going <laughs> to hustle this week and get a ton of books. And then come Friday, I message her. And she's like, oh, I just didn't have time to get out. I didn't. Uh, I'll probably go out tomorrow. I'm like, what? You just told me you don't. This is your job. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And then the other the other lady was um, uh, she had like three different part-time jobs and mine was one of those. Mm-hmm. And so she was having trouble kind of prioritizing which one to work on. And, and um, I, I think she understood that what I was offering her was the most lucrative, but she just had trouble committing her time to it. And it was easier to go to something that's a set hourly wage. So yeah. I, that kind of like showed me that entrepreneur, self-starter, self-motivated person is is a little harder to find and not everybody's like that and that's why so many people uh honestly should stay in a nine to five or an hourly wage job and there's nothing wrong with staying in that being an entrepreneur takes a different characteristics that that not everybody has and that's okay not everybody needs to run their own business 
Um, but you have to be a, a bit of a self-starter, a bit of a self-motivator. There's nobody's going to be there in the morning to tell you, you should, uh, you should probably wake up now and go work on your business um, so that you can get some food on the table. You, you have to have that drive within and, and not everybody has that. A lot of people need a boss that says, I need you to be here at 9am. Otherwise they're gonna get lost in the sauce. I always say that I believe there's two types of people in, in the world. There's the people who have that entrepreneur spirit and then there's the people who have the nine to five spirit and there's nothing wrong with either one of them, but it's just one person doesn't want the life of the other one. And then the other person doesn't want the life of the other of the other one. Some people are happy going to their nine, nine to five job, not having any stress, getting off of work and then basing their, I don't want, I don't want to say value, but value is the best word I can think of in other areas than just being their own boss, which is fine. But just, I think that people should know which one they are and then go for it and, and then go for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. And I think there, there are benefits to being in a nine to five situation, you know, depending on what your job is, you can go to work from nine to five and then on the way home, shut your brain off and you don't have to think at all yeah. about what's going on at work or what's going on tomorrow as an entrepreneur. That's, you know, that's really hard to do. That's really hard to even you go, go on vacation and you say, all right, I'm not going to work for a week. And you might be able to commit to that and not pick up your computer or not make any phone calls, but it's hard to shut this machine off up here. It's really, really hard. I, has that been your experience too? I literally don't have a day off. And even when I do have a day off, like I'm still at least creating some Twitter posts or I'm editing like a, a video on my phone. Like I like, I don't even see it as like, I don't see it as work. I just, there's just something in me that I actually enjoy it. Like I would much rather like, okay, I've had my time where I wasted it watching TV, playing video games. And like, I'm at the point now to where I don't see any benefit in that. Even if I'm watching TV now, like I'm writing a script for a YouTube video or I'm doing some type of research, like I'm always doing something. And like, that's what brings me joy. That's yeah. That's it. That's a great place to be when it doesn't feel like work. And so it just, fits into your lifestyle on a pretty regular basis. And then I'm not um, going to say like, I always feel that way. Like there are times where I'm like, of course I don't feel like doing it, but I yeah. have this thing where like, it may sound weird or hardcore, but I don't, I like, I don't rely on emotions and I don't rely on feelings because they will lie to you. Emotions are like fleeting thoughts. So like, I don't like, I don't need to want to make a YouTube video to do the YouTube video, or I don't have to want to go sourcing to do sourcing. I, I just do it because I know that that needs to be done. So what you're saying is you, you've created really solid habits for yourself that keep you going every day. Yes. And I believe speaking of habits, I believe one of the reasons that I believe that I am like this is because I believe the more I have that voice in the back of my head that says, oh, you don't want to do this today, or you don't need to do this. And then I do it the next time that voice is a lot lower. And if I keep doing it, then I believe at some point in life, that voice won't even be there. And I believe every time I do give into that voice, that gives that voice more power for the next time that that happens. It's much easier for me not to do that. Or it's much easier for me not to do what I know needs to be done, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, right on. Thanks for sharing. I, I've been uh, struggling for a while with creating new habits. That's, that's, a, that's something I really have trouble with. And I, I've been working through... Uh, the Atomic Habits book. I, I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, I read like 60% yeah. of it and then I got bored. I'm sorry, I got bored. Dude, I, so <laughs> what, one of the habits I have trouble with is finishing books. Don't, I, you so don't have like, to. You don't have no. to. That's, that's like something that I had a problem with too because like I would feel bad if like I read a book and then I only got like 30 to 60% of it. And then I would quit. Uh -huh. Like I would like, I would feel like yeah. a failure. And then I end up watching some YouTube video where it was like, okay, if you, because the thing is like a lot of books, you don't need to read the whole book to get the overall meaning of the, of the book. They put in like a lot of filler to make it a book. Cause if they didn't put that filler in, then it would be like 15 pages. So if you get mm -hmm. to a, a book and it doesn't interest you, then you shouldn't force yourself to do it because that's just making a habit. That's just adding like a negative um, type of aspect 
to it because now you have to sit down and do something that you don't want to do and then force yourself to do it so me me personally if like i get to like a, a part of a book that i don't like and is and like it's literally boring and i have to force myself to do it i would just rather find another book that i'm actually interested in that's just that's just me hey, that's that's fair that's that's a really good perspective there personally i feel like I'm trying to create better habits. So I got to at least finish reading the book about habits. <laughs> yeah, no, like, that, that, like, that feels ironic. Like if, if I quit halfway through, it's like, I'm never oh, going to create man. a single habit. Like I got to at least finish this book about habits. <laughs> that is a great point. And now like, cause I didn't finish the book. That is a very good point. Like you didn't, I didn't finish a book about habits while I'm trying to build that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. But I did end up reading another book. Okay. Okay. So let's get back to Amazon. So you had the two people that were supposed to be doing the sourcing for you and that didn't work out for you. So is that when you decided just to scrap books? Cause you were already doing retail arbitrage at that point. I, I continued to do the books for a while and By I yourself? think I had, no, no, with, with those two employees, I, I had them employed for, um, I, I want to say most of 2020 actually. Uh, it just, it, they weren't getting to the levels I wanted them to get to. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had them both for maybe six or eight months. Can I stop you for one second? Cause I want to ask you a question. Cause this is something that a lot of people have problems with. And I know I have problems with this now because now I'm at the point to where I have employees. I don't want to say that they're VAs. Cause when you think about VAs, you think about going to Upwork or going to whatever, but I have people that that work for me. Like I have my graphic designer and my video editor, and then I have somebody else who, um, who does my scripts now, but they're not VAs, but they are VAs, if that makes sense. But was this your first time having somebody work for you? Yeah. So at, at some point in there, I did hire an overseas VA, uh, through online, online jobs at PH mm -hmm. to help me with repricing the books in right. a more, uh, manual method using um matthew osborne's software the uh new price i think is what it was called okay i think that one's still out and that didn't really pan out the way i thought it would and that was because you know i i'd had a lot of people work for me in the military yeah um but that's different because in in the military or in a job when you have employees working for you there's usually a set job description and set standards that are already there that somebody mm -hmm. else created the military you know back in like 1776 said this is what a uh, specialist is gonna do um and, and so it it's it's your job as a leader or a boss in those situations to really implement and enforce that system and that structure that's already been created and so i i did realize there's a bit of a steep learning curve when when I'm the person hiring, I'm the person creating the job description, I'm creating the SOPs, the, SOPs. Mm -hmm. the, the daily workflow, the standards, I'm deciding when, you know, this person is performing above their ability, and I should give them a raise or this person's really underperforming, and we need to have a serious chat, or it's to the point where I need to fire this person, this isn't working. And that that really is a steep learning curve in my Did opinion. you have problems and, with that like i mean like when like you saw that the lady that the girl said oh i'm gonna go sourcing tomorrow and then she didn't and then you're like okay whatever but then the next day and then the next day did you have issues with like making it to like where you were like getting your point across that you didn't like her her actions or was that something easy easy for you yeah that that was that was tough and I think what made it tougher is because she was on a commission basis, you know, I wasn't paying her ah, for her time work. Basically. She wasn't doing, you know, right. I, I only paid her when she actually produced work. And so the problem was she just wasn't producing the amount of work I wanted. Um, so I wasn't getting the results, but I also was paying appropriately for what she was giving me. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would say, the first problem I had with that <clears throat> repricing VA I had, she was, she was good. And it took me a bit to realize the problem was me. I didn't give her clear expectations. I didn't check in with her regularly and say, Hey, let's do it this way. Or let's not do it that way. I, I didn't give her a, a clear job. And 
I really learned through that one. I ended up letting her go at some point and, and I realized like part, part of it was I, I was starting to transition away from books and didn't want to reprice that way anymore. But also I realized like, I'm not, I'm not managing the situation. Well, I'm not ready to have an employee in this way. I got to rethink if I have an employee, a, a VA of some type, what am I going to have them do? How am I going to measure their performance? How am I going to communicate with them and, and all that? And that's, something I'm honestly still working on today. And I, I have um, <clears throat> just one VA right now. But so for with those two, those two book sourcers, yeah, I, I check in with them uh, about weekly and be like, Hey, what's up? And, I, and at some point, the one we left kind of amicably, she, she was like, yeah, I just, I don't have time for this anymore. I'm focused That's on the this lady other. Who, who, um, who has the three different jobs, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She was, she was pretty honest with me. I, I don't have, I'm not finding the time to get out and do this. Uh, you know, when I'm not doing my other two jobs, I got stuff with my kids. I was like, you know, that's fair. If, if those other jobs are more important to you and something you want to prioritize, go do that. Let's, you know, let's call it quits. The other lady was the one who was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, definitely tomorrow. I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that went on for a while. I probably let that kind of fake promises continue for too long and at some point I, I had to draw a line in the sand I said okay look either either you're gonna go out and get books or you're not and was if you she don't get it any books she was she was but it was like every other week she'd go out for two hours okay is what it got to at the beginning she was a lot more motivated and getting more quantity um and, and so yeah it got to the point where it's like all right you got you got a week and if you want to do this, you want to do this. If you don't, uh, let's meet up and I'm going to get my Bluetooth scanner. And, and uh, I think I had given her something else equipment wise. Mm -hmm. I, I need to get those back and I'll, I'll give you your last paycheck. Um, and so that, that's it. That ended up being what happened. I, I think it ended kind of amicably. She, she realized like, yeah, I'm not committing the time to this. But um, in, in hindsight, I should have had that conversation with her uh earlier yeah 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 probably you know a, a month or so earlier right okay so after that happens then how does your amazon amazon how does your amazon journey continue yeah so so while i was trying to manage both of them i was hitting retail arbitrage sorry are heavy. you still in the army at this point i i was through um fall of 2020 Okay. Uh, but I had a decent amount of leave stacked up. Oh yeah. And I so had like I was three months of, of leave left. Yeah. So I, I, I still had that paycheck coming in, but I had transitioned out of the position I was in. So when mm -hmm. I went to work, they didn't have anything for me. And um, then I was burning through leave. So it was, it was fairly relaxed uh, military schedule for me. Most right. of 2020, which Basically was really just like nice PT in the morning. And then that's, that's about it. Man, I don't think I even showed up to PT. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I, I, uh, I had a foot surgery early in the year and I planned that just right. I, I looked oh, up what okay. my, uh, uh, what, what PT they said I could do after that foot surgery. I was like, mm -hmm. Hey, look, uh, sir, um, I can't PT. And so I got, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, which, which was really nice to have a pretty relaxed schedule, um, in, in that regard to help me focus on some of this business stuff. See, I was doing retail arbitrage early in that year. I found some clearance stuff at, at a store, um, that was like 90% off as I was starting to explore retail arbitrage and that stuff sold quick for, I think I paid like 15 bucks, uh, per item. And I sold them for like 150 bucks oh, wow. by the end of the week. And I was like, this is insane. I got to check out this retail arbitrage stuff. One, like that's an insane margin. And two, that sold way quicker than any book I've ever purchased. Just the speed of that sale and how I'm going to get that money cash flow back into my bank. Books is are a very incredible. slow moving inventory. Like I have books that I still have now that I've had that I listed back in last December that are like just selling now. So it's crazy how slow books move. Yeah, I, I still have some stray books floating around that I really ought to dig into and <laughs> <laughs> either reprice or dispose of. Yeah. Um, so I was doing uh, some eBay stuff, looking at local auction houses, picking up stuff from there to, to flip on eBay or uh, thrift stores to flip on eBay and retail arbitrage got kind of uh, 
pretty heavily involved in BrickSeek, looking for the hidden clearance stuff. He got one of the membership levels where you see this stuff quicker. And I was going from store to store, finding the basically like hidden, hidden clearance stuff before it was marked down on the shelf mm-hmm. and did pretty good with that. Really, th- the biggest success I had was actually with um, Office Depot. And oh, wow. it, it was that, that, was, that one was always funny because I'd go to the store and I'd be like, it would never be marked down and they'd have a whole ton on the shelf. And I'd be like, hey, uh, do you mind checking the price on this? It's like, because they don't, they don't have scanners in the store and you want to, like, I wanted to verify it's actually marked down before I purchased it. And they'd be like, oh, wow, that's 80% off. They're like, oh, wow, that's shocking. How'd that what happen? Kind of, what kind of stuff were you selling? Like, if you go to Office Depot, like, were you selling like post-its and staplers? No, uh, usually electronics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They, yeah, that's, that's a smaller section in there, but um, that kind of stuff. I found holds its value better, you know, like, I don't know, maybe some people do good flipping staplers, but that's a, that's, that's a lower ASP. I was trying to hit the higher stuff. Um, And so then I'd, you know, find at one store, like, okay, this security camera, for example, was marked down to a really, really good price. And I just Mm -hmm. cleaned this store out. Okay. I know what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm going to the other three and cleaning up what they've got. Um, and, And so Got a pretty good start with that, doing retail arbitrage. Now, here in Alaska, I don't get partnership rates to ship stuff into the FBA warehouses. So it's it's a little harder and a little more expensive to send stuff from my place to the lower 48 to, to a warehouse. So I- There's no warehouse in uh, um, Alaska, is there? No, man. Okay. Everybody uh, hates on us because they're jealous. They wish they lived here. <laughs> um is it true that it's dark in the winter like 20 hours of the day yes oh wow yeah yeah we're 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 coming up on that here soon um here in anchorage i'm a little more southern so i think at the darkest we have uh like five hours of daylight um but the farther north you go there there's some parts where it's dark for 24 hours oh wow that's crazy um okay so when you were learning retail arbitrage, did you take any courses or mentorships or did you watch any YouTube videos about retail arbitrage or did you just jump into it and learn as you went? Lots of YouTube. I never took any courses, um, never any direct mentorships. Um, looking back that, that either of those would have been great ways to kind of excel my, my knowledge. <clears throat> But I'm, I'm happy with the way I did it. Ton, tons and tons of YouTube. I, I would say the, the one channel that was most influential in the retail arbitrage space for me was probably Reezy. Um, and I did at some point along there join his uh, Discord group, still part of that. And that really helped me excel, get, get a, a community where I could ask lots of questions back and forth about things that I was stuck on or just mm-hmm. observe things that other people were struggling with and uh, hop on a lot of the kind of hot retail arbitrage bolos. And so that, that really helps me excel that, that growth. Right. Okay. So how long did you do retail arbitrage before you moved into doing online arbitrage and why did you move from retail arbitrage to online arbitrage? Yeah, I, I did retail arbitrage, mostly merchant fulfilled through oh, really? most of yeah, yeah, I was merchant fulfilling it all because it was just. Oh yeah, because you said that it's ex, ex, expensive to send it to the warehouse. Yeah, yeah, and and just like a little bit harder, I'd have to purchase shipping off of Amazon through like Pirate Ship or something. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Pirate Ship didn't have UPS integrated; it was only USPS. Mm-hmm. So there just wasn't uh, a super easy way. If I had looked into it a little bit more, there probably would have been a, a better way for me to go about it. Um, but yeah, I chose to just do Merchant Fulfilled. And at, at some point in 2021, as my capital was growing, I realized, okay, I left books because I was having trouble scaling that to the level I wanted to be at. Now, retail arbitrage, I'm getting to that point too. I was spending a lot of time uh, weekly driving around in the city in circles hitting every walmart hitting every walgreens hitting every office depot you know it it, it's a hustle it's a grind 
And then when I was at home, I was listing stuff. I was shipping stuff. I was looking at what was on BrickSeek or in this Discord to try to find what should I look for tomorrow when I go out sourcing. So really, really good opportunity for quick flips. I mean, you can't, you can't beat the cash flow of Merchant Fulfilled. I could find, if, if I found something that was really hot, I could put it in my cart at the store, list it real quick on my app, and before I even checked out, it would be sold. Like, that, was, that's amazing. I was going to ask you, what's the quickest that you ever sold item? But I guess, what, 10, 15 minutes? Yeah, yeah, there'd be stuff uh, a few times I'd sell it before I even checked out or definitely before I got home at the end of nice. the day. Um, and so that, that was a really, really good way to start stacking up that capital and have quick cash flow. But towards the end of 2021, I realized this isn't super sustainable. This is exhausting. I do enjoy it, the thrill of the hunt, mm -hmm. but I'm spending a lot of time away from my family out on the road uh, going to Walmart's like pretty exciting place. Right. Uh, to, to an extent, I guess, like met, you know, people at Walmart, there's a lot of interesting people out there to interact with at Walmart. Yeah. Um, and, and so started looking into online arbitrage, got a prep center and started messing around with tactical arbitrage towards the end of 2021. And, at some point there, I, I made the commitment, actually probably mid mid 2021, I, I decided I needed to move to mostly OA mm -hmm. in order to scale this to the next level. And in order to help do that, last winter, I picked up a, uh, a snow plowing job, kind of just for fun, because that's like, I mean, I, I'd never had the chance to operate heavy machinery. And I uh, had a buddy who has a company and he was... Um, they do it with tractors with a big snowblower behind it. It's like every boy's a little dream. I go drive a tractor like for fun and play, play in the snow. So I, I decided to commit to that for the winter, mostly for fun. But second, I realized this will force me to, to create better efficiencies in my Amazon business. Oh. If I have a commitment outside of my house, oh, okay. I'm going to have oh. less. I, I won't be able to spend 60 hours a week on Amazon. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to figure out a way to make this work with less time, which is ultimately what I wanted to do. I right. wanted to scale this, but also really cut back on the amount of time I was spending. And so, you know, that, that job, it ended up snowing a ton last winter and that job was really time consuming. Uh, but what it did is it prevented me from doing retail arbitrage, which uh, kind of was a good thing um, because then I had to dive into online arbitrage and, and be more efficient. Got, um, good at some different methods through, through tactical arbitrage, figuring out prep centers. And um, at some point there, I don't think it was until earlier this year, 2022, I, I picked up a, a virtual assistant to help with the sourcing of leads. And um, really since early this year, I've been about 90% OA. And I, I still merchant fulfill a few things here and there from my house. You know, it's, it's hard when I go to Walmart to pick up something personally to, to <laughs> not walk down that clearance aisle. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I have that same thing. And I got to the point to when, where like, well, when I first started doing retail arbitrage, I would just, I would only shop at the stores. I knew I can probably do some sourcing that too. So I kind of like, can like get what I needed and still do some sourcing, but act like I'm just getting what I needed yeah yeah it's like i'm picking up my groceries but the electronics department's right there and mm -hmm. a quick walkthrough in five minutes i can make a hundred bucks like you're not gonna say no to that exactly. like i already drove to i already drove to the store i got to the point um, to where i was trying to see if i can make enough profit in that little trip to pay for whatever i i got like for my personal thing that's 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 a fun little game right there that's awesome okay um i have a question about the business side, since we talked about motivation and building habits, um, coming from the army and then coming to doing your own. Okay. First off, have you ever had a, before the army, did you ever have like a regular nine to five job or some type of job like that? No, I had a few part-time jobs here and there, but the, mm -hmm. the army was really my first full-time gig. Okay. So coming from, cause the army is strict. Like you have your like, you know, exactly what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. Like every, like everything is already planned out to now being your own boss 
and you having to do everything yourself? Did you have a, a problem like transitioning into not living the army life, not having somebody tell you to be at formation at 630 in the morning or closing formation or this or that? Yeah, definitely. That's that's a big lifestyle transition for anyone, even if you're going from the military to a nine to five, yeah. especially from the military to uh, entrepreneur position where you have complete freedom. And um, that's something I'm still working on. And like, like I talked about earlier, creating good habits. Because uh, yeah, for, for most of my life, especially my adult life, there was someone there, whether it's the army or like uh, a, a professor saying, you need to be here at this time. And now I don't have that at all. Uh, and, and that's, that's a big transition. Um, so there in the beginning, it was super weird. I remember uh, a month or two after getting out, my, my buddy was lived about six hours away and he was getting ready to, to PCS off to his next place. And he needed some help getting stuff ready with his house so he could move. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yo, can I drive up tomorrow and like help you out? And, and I did that. That was weird. Like I didn't ask anyone's permission and I just drove up for this open-ended like, yeah, maybe we'll hang out a couple days, maybe a week. Like, let me know how much help you need. That was super weird. That's when it first clicked. Like you're free. I'm free but this is a little scary too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I have complete control and I also have full responsibility when something goes wonky with my schedule. I can't blame. Ah, well, you know, uncle Sam, you know, ah, man, like, yep. Kind of sucks. Like everybody in the military does, you know, there's this like entity out there that we can always uh, blame, blame when something yeah. bad in your life happens it's like yeah well you know they sent me back to fort polk again is what it is i'll make the most of it <laughs> are you a structure person do you think the army has made you a structure person or are you just a person do you have a daily to-do list that will tell me no no not at all man Every so day how do you so how do you know what needs to be done I just, I just do it. It's chaos. Uh, that's, that's a habit I'm trying to work on a little bit better, but as it is, like I, I kind of, I wake up when I feel like it and I work a few hours here and there when I fit them into the day, spend time with my family. And I, I, I enjoy having that extreme flexibility, mm -hmm. but I know that I really could benefit from a little bit more structure. Um, you know, especially with, creating a little more efficiency in the time I spend working so that that's that's when I talk about creating good habits better habits for myself that's that's probably the big one there I want a little bit more structure in my daily life um, and I, I see after I, I've been out about two years now out of the military and I've kind of lived that lifestyle for about two years and it's been nice but there's also you know there's trade-offs you know it's I find if I don't plan something out, like say I want to go hike a certain mountain, if I don't put that on my calendar, it's not going to happen. Well, the, the way I have structured my lifestyle right now, I don't really put anything on my calendar. <laughs> so um, it's, I, I miss out on certain opportunities, fitting them into the schedule because of that. So that's, yeah, something I'm working on. Are, are you a, a, a structured person? I'm very relax like if this makes sense i'm a very relaxed scheduled person if that makes sense i'll say tomorrow i need to edit a youtube video i need to edit this podcast and i need to reprice for at least an hour and source for at least three hours but i don't say at 9 a.m i'm going to do this at 10 I, at like 10 a.m i'm going to do this i just fit it in to where it's going to be fitting and then i just check it check it off my list and then i write how much time it, it took so the next time i kind of know it's going to take me two hours to, to do this or three hours to do that. But I'm not like 6 a.m. do this, 7 a.m. do that, 9 a.m. do that. The only thing I'm very strict on is when I go to bed and when I wake up. Those are the only two things that I'm like really strict on. Nine o'clock at night, I'm in the bed already. And then at 4.30, I'm up. Those are the two things that I really stick to. Be You're because early, early morning guy, huh? Well, no, I'm not. But I'm trying to build that habit because okay. I notice that I get a lot more done when I wake up in the morning earlier than when I yeah. wake up at like seven or, or like eight. Because 
from 4.30, it takes me about an hour to like really get going. So from about 5.30 to 9.30, I get so much done that I literally look around and say, damn, I don't really have nothing else to do today. And I like, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I function a similar way. I just, uh, don't get up early and do that. But the few times <laughs> I do, it's like, wow, it's, it's 10 o'clock and I feel so accomplished Yeah. on most days. I'm just like pouring a cup of coffee by now. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that that's interesting. You say that a lot of people ask me like, how much, how much time do you spend working on your Amazon stuff? And I, I don't know. I, I have can't no idea. I can't tell you. Okay. You're not sure either, even no. though you have a little bit more, uh, structured. I mean, style like, with that than me, I mean, if like I went through my calendar, I could say, okay, on this day, I spent three hours on this day. I spent six, six, six hours, but my life is like, I said, like, just for example, when I go sourcing, I mean, when I go grocery, grocery shopping for the week, I'm going sourcing also. So do you count that uh, as me doing personal time or do you count that as me doing Amazon time? Or like at night I have one hour, a, a the day from eight to nine where I'll sit down and I'll catch up on a TV show. But while uh, I'm doing that, I'm sourcing. So like, I don't like, it's just, it's just like married into like my regular life. Yeah. Yeah. That makes it really hard to account for that time. Uh, yeah. Huh? Well, when in doubt, it's a business, ex business expense, right? Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Write it off as business. Okay. Um, we've been going for like an hour. We got to wrap this up. This is a great, um, great conversation, but, um, what is a tip you can give to somebody who is like, okay, let's say it's a guy. He's at his regular nine to five. He's been looking at some YouTube videos, maybe my YouTube videos, your YouTube videos, who, who knows? And he's thinking about doing Amazon, but he's not really sure because all he sees is on TikTok, people with Teslas and Lambos saying how you see this product, but I see this. And like, he thinks it's a scam. Like what type of information or like tip could you give him? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if it really intrigues you start slow, give it a try. There's, there's no harm in trying. And if Amazon's intimidating, maybe, maybe go try something that's a little lower barrier to entry. Go, go mess around with eBay a little bit. You know, it's, it's a very different platform, but it'll give you an introduction into e-commerce. And then yep. you'll be like, ah, I hate this or, this is interesting. I want to dig into this more. Um, but it doesn't cost any money to open an Amazon account. It's free. It just takes some time. And you can sell what's really cool about an e-commerce business of any kind and, and on Amazon as well. You can decide how much you want to sell, how much you want to work. You could only do a hundred bucks a month and kind of test it out. See if it's something for you. Um, and yeah, be, be careful of some of those gurus with the Lambos. Um, there's some sketchy stuff out there, but if you weed through that and look past it, there's a lot of legit guys like, like uh, this man right here. And um, there, there's some great content out there and people showing what's, what's possible and, and what's really changed their lives. I, I think that's why a lot of people share through social media about Amazon. It's, it's changed their life and they want to help other people impact their life in, in a positive way. Perfectly. That brings me into my next question is how important do you think it is for an Amazon seller to like post their journey, like on Instagram or Twitter or, or like whatever, like they don't have to be like full blown content creators, but kind of let people know that they're in the Amazon business to network with other Amazon sellers. Is that something that's in, important or it's not really that important? Yeah, that's something I've thought about a, a, a little bit. Um, I didn't, I've never been a big social media guy my entire life uh, in like a personal aspect. Uh, but uh, a year, year and a half ago, I decided to, to jump in and start interacting with the Amazon reseller community a little bit more, mostly through Instagram. I, I think that's where you found me. Mm -hmm. And um what I found is that really benefited me in, in creating a network of meeting other like-minded people because, you know, up here in Alaska, like there's maybe four other Amazon sellers that I have heard of. And I saw a guy at Walmart once scanning uh, the Jurassic Park dinosaurs and 
I regret not talking to him at the time. I was just like, man, those are my dinos. <laughs> and I had like mean thoughts. Like I'm going to go slash his tires in the parking lot. Uh, in, in hindsight, I wish I would have been like, Hey man, uh, you sell on Amazon, huh? And, and like maybe tried to form a, a relationship with him. Um, but I've really benefited. I, I met a few people on Instagram towards the end of last year. And then I went to the, uh, the Miami conference early this year from, uh, Taylor, Taylor Jones and Avery Romer Romer, and yeah, yeah, being there in person with other Amazon sellers was awesome because a a business like this is a little bit, um, lonely at times, you know, you don't, you don't have, you don't have coworkers to interact with and, you might have peers in your area, but you know, some of them are going to be like, Oh, you're my competition for that hot bolo at Walmart. And they're not going to want to be your friend or it's yeah. hard to find them. There's not like, you know, every Tuesday at the coffee shop, the Amazon sellers meet up. Yeah, Maybe I there could be, say maybe that. I should start that, but yeah, that would actually be a, a good idea. But I was just going to say that it seems like when you do social media and you meet other Amazon sellers, there is is more friendly than amazon sellers that are in your area because it's that like level of competition like i can't be friends with you or i can't share leads with you because you're because like you're because you're because you're going to take my money or you or like you're going to take my item and i don't know I, that's just like one of the things that i don't like but i also think that that's that's more on new sellers compared to seasoned sellers because new sellers are the ones like I never got like not wanting to share a, a lead or, or like work with somebody that you like maybe share like the same area with. Cause if that person is not going to get on the listing, somebody else is. And, and like, I will and like, I would much rather have you on the listing and then we just share the buy box and not tank the price than have somebody else who's going to tank it all, all the way down. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of opportunity out there and escaping from the scarcity mindset now a little bit of that like scarcity mindset makes sense if you're hustling for cherry picking textbooks in your area or you're doing retail arbitrage like yeah there only is so much clearance stuff and so that those spaces i think are a little bit more cutthroat than some of the the bigger picture wholesale oa or you know other other opportunities on amazon um but yeah I've, i've really benefited through social media meeting other guys I, I think you had um seth checkmate flips on yes, recently he's a, yeah, he, he's, he's that was another good in, um, in, um that was another good interview he's a cool dude yeah yeah i i've really gotten to know him pretty well throughout throughout this year and it's really cool meeting him in person in miami we, we've become pretty good friends we we share a lot of stuff back and forth we we chat probably almost daily through through instagram and that's been really nice. uh motivating you know on, on days when i'm like ah oh, amazon this machine <laughs> is sucks you know he'll he can help level me out and, and vice versa same for helping him out so nice. that's that's nice. been really beneficial Okay, Joe, sorry. The last question I like to ask people who come on my podcast is, do you think it is possible for somebody to go from their nine to five job to becoming a full-time Amazon seller? Or is or like, do you have to have a special skill or talent to do that? So you're asking if anyone can do it? Yes. Anyone who's coming from a nine to five, is it possible? I think so, but... I'll caveat that with, I don't think it is for everyone. Uh, I think it's possible for everyone to do, but I think not everyone's going to enjoy it. And if you're not going to enjoy it and it's not going to fit into your lifestyle, like, uh, like we were talking about earlier, how both of us don't really have an, a concrete idea of how much we work on this business because we enjoy it and it meshes with our lifestyle. If if it's not like that for you, then there's, there's probably another better opportunity out there. There's so many different ways to make money, whether it's a nine to five or uh, a more structured brick and mortar retail business or service business, or even on the internet, there's so many ways. Maybe Amazon isn't quite for you, but maybe there's, you know, doing some Etsy stuff or some KDP or some uh, print on demand t-shirts. If, if it's not something you feel like you're going to enjoy, keep looking. There's money all over. Exactly. I love that answer. Josiah, where can the people get in contact with you? Yeah, I've I've got a a YouTube channel where I post about our entrepreneurial journey. My wife and I uh, primarily right now it's Amazon and we're doing Turo with, with rental vehicles and our travel business. 
So you can find us there. That's Entrepreneagle. I'll, I'll send you a link that maybe I'll, you can I mean, add somewhere. I mean, I'll, I'll already have it in that um, thing, but I just wanted to give you a, a chance to just say it. Right on. Yeah. So that, that's our YouTube channel. And we, we do a podcast audio form of that too, if you're uh, more into the audio stuff. And then you can find me on Instagram, baconbagel underscore AK, and my wife, jellybagel underscore AK. Where does the bagel thing come from? Yeah, so my last name is Nagel, yeah. N-A-G-E-L. And yeah. uh, from the time I was in like middle school, a lot of people had trouble with that, like figuring out how to spell it. So it's like, come on, man, it's not that hard to spell. It's- Oh, like bagel. Bagel bagel with an N. Right. And so uh, that just kind of, you know, I had had uh, friends throughout the years that called me bagel. So nice. and you well, know, bagels are good and I love bacon, so. Don't hang up, but I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and this was an awesome podcast podcast thank you thanks so much for having me so there we have it guys i hope you guys enjoyed that episode that was episode 18 with josiah aka bacon bagel if you guys want to follow him on instagram or check out his youtube the links are in the description below do me a favor if you're watching on youtube like this video please like it it takes one second if you're watching this for the first time and you have not subscribed to my channel subscribe to my channel and check out all the other videos i give up so much information about amazon fba if you are listening to this on a podcast platform please 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 give me a five star rating it really helps me out a lot you, you guys don't know how much just getting most podcasts don't even get to episode 18 i read that they quit at episode 17 so episode 18 is kind of special to me and most podcasts don't even get one person to give it a five-star rating so if i just get a couple of you guys to actually do it it will push me up in the algorithm so much and just spread my podcast out to other amazon fba sellers and that's what i want to do so please give this podcast five-star rating and i will catch you guys next friday for episode 19 peace out